0: Good morning and welcome to another episode of crime over coffee. We're your host. I'm Abby and I'm Erica.
1: Today we're going to be telling you guys part two of the murder of Jody
0: Jones. So order yourself some fire department coffee and let's dive in.
2: Hey everyone, this is your editor Bryce jumping in for a quick reminder about our growing Patreon family. As of today, we have 22 exclusive episodes uploaded, which is over 5 hours of unique content you won't see anywhere else. Most of which you can access for just $5 a month. Or get all of our regular episodes an entire day early and ad-free for just 3 bucks a month. While we're on the topic, we want to give a thank you shout-out to the newest members of our family. Kathy G., Krissa F., Sadie M., Rachel C., and Jeanette T., with an even bigger thank you to Jeanette for a very generous donation she made recently just because she loves our content so much. And another quick reminder that we're about halfway through our trial sponsorship for Fire Department Coffee. If you haven't heard, we have an exclusive coupon code to get 15% off all their coffee. Just enter CRIMEPOD15 on their website. Using this code will help our podcast grow and continue to put out more content. And get some amazing coffee while you're at it. Now back to Erica to finally tell us the conclusion to Jody Jones.
1: So, if you guys listened to our last episode, we ended that with basically Luke is in prison for murdering Jody Jones with very limited evidence pointing to it, if any at all, other than circumstantial. And we have found DNA from two other individuals. So, one of the things I mentioned in our first episode was that police thought it was really suspicious the similarities between Jody's murder and the murder of the Black Dahlia. They did say that they knew Luke was interested in the Black Dahlia murders, but that there was no way that he would have known the extents of the way that the Black Dahlia was killed without extensive research. So they seize all of his computers and personal items and everything and start going through it. And they find nothing that points to him ever looking into the details of how the Black Dahlia was murdered.
0: Where did the quote unquote interest in the black dahlia for him come from like how did they decide that i i
1: don't know i'll be honest i don't know if he had maybe a poster in his room or if he just talked about it before or something but i hope that's not too incriminating because if it is we're screwed we are extremely screwed if that is incriminating
0: and actually all of y'all listening to us because that means you're interested too there's a couple of different witnesses in this case that I want to bring attention to and discuss.
1: So, there are two witnesses, Rosemary Walsh and Lorraine Fleming, and they said that they saw Luke by the path that night with Jody. Now, this is interesting because if that is who it was, then that is kind of
0: incriminating. I would agree. Very intri- intriguing. That uh, that if that's true, certainly points to Luke's mom and brother lying.
1: It does, yes. So there's another witness that they had talked to, and they ended up having her come to testify at court, and they're like, is this the man that you saw on the path that night? And she's like, no, I, I don't feel confident saying that that's who it was in regards to Luke. But that, once again, didn't matter. It was like everything that anybody was saying that had anything to do against Luke being the one that committed this crime, it was... You couldn't even hear it. Maybe they were speaking in another language. I don't know. But the prosecution and the jury and everybody involved was just like, none of this stuff matters. It just looks like maybe he could have done it because he knew her.
0: Yeah, it's, you know, it's so interesting these cases because in theory, there's a prosecution and a defense and a jury to keep it, you know, level playing field, if you will.
1: Yes. One thing I do want to say, which we briefly talked about already the jury already had their minds made up because the media already had their minds made up. So finding anybody that was going to be an unbiased jury was going to be impossible.
0: Right. They didn't, you you think they would have tried to outsource a little bit more there? I don't think that they did. It
1: took the jury less than 24 hours to come to the decision that Luke had done this and to sentence him to life in prison. So as I had said, there were witnesses that had seen Luke by the path that night. I'm going to refer to them as our friends, even though I don't know them, but I appreciate them so much that I would be their friend. So the private investigators, Michael Neal and John Salins, they do everything that they can in this documentary and in their investigation to figure out what really happened that night. So they bring in this girl and they're like, okay, we need you to drive my car this route. Like one of the detectives,
0: I believe Michael sat in the car. Oh, real quick. Are these people identifying Luke, identifying Luke, quotations, from driving past him? Yes. Oh, I thought it was like a walking path, I guess.
1: It is, but these people saw him by driving by, seeing him on the path.
2: The mystery has been solved. Here at Crime Over Coffee, our go-to caffeinated beverage for every episode is Fire Department Coffee. And you can get some as well and save 15% with our exclusive coupon code CRIMEPOD15.
1: So what Michael and John do is they set up this thing on this path and they're like, you're going to stand here, you're going to be Luke and you're going to stand here and you're going to be Jody." So they have a girl and a guy standing there and they're supposed to be having a heated conversation and they're supposed to be acting out kind of what the witnesses said that they saw that night, right? So they have this girl who's not familiar with what's going on. She doesn't know what she's supposed to be looking for. So Michael's in the car with her and John's just kind of nearby where fake Jody and fake Luke are standing. And this girl drives by once and then gets to the end and they don't have her just drive by that path. They have her drive a little bit of a path just to see, you know, if anything stands out to her. So she gets to the end of this drive of this path that she's driving or this route is more what I should say. And they're like, did you notice anything out of the ordinary? She's like, no, everything seemed fine. And they're like, okay, drive by again. We'll see what else you see. Anything. She drives by a second time, comes out. They're like, okay, did you see anything? no not not really i didn't didn't see anything so twice she's driven by and not noticed this couple standing off on the side of the road having an argument so they have her go by a third time this time they pass the couple and michael goes what's going on over there and points it out right and they get to the end and she's like okay they get out john's like did you notice anything strange this time and she's like well i saw I saw a girl and a guy standing there. It looked like maybe they were having an intense argument. She's like, but that that was it. And they're like, okay, can you describe the girl to me? Yeah, she has blonde hair. I think she was wearing a jacket. She had light colored jeans on and her back was to me. They're like, okay, can you describe the guy? Yeah, he was clean shaven. He had light colored hair. He looked kind of frustrated. And they're like, okay. And they ask another question about the girl. And she's like, yeah, she had, she had like a, a brown hair. And they're like, wait a minute, you just said she had blonde hair. Did she have blonde hair or brown hair? And she's like, actually, I don't know. So I do want to point out a couple things. The description that she gave of the man was that he was clean shaven. He had a mustache and a like little beard goatee. It wasn't, didn't hang down very long, but it was the beginning of a beard that was very obvious. He also had dark hair, like a dark, dark brown. And she said he had light hair. So her description was not accurate. The girl did have blonde hair, but at that point, she couldn't remember.
0: So what they're aiming to prove that this route, you probably wouldn't be able to identify somebody completely if you just happened Correct. to drive
1: by. Yeah, that's the point of this, which I appreciate the efforts that they're putting in into retracing the steps into really looking into it, bringing somebody in that's not familiar with the area, not familiar with the case. They're like, just drive this and see like what you see out of the ordinary because the witnesses that would have seen this then that night wouldn't have been looking for that specifically. They would have just happened to see something and then from their memory, been able to give an accurate description of what they saw. And the likelihood of that is definitely slim. There is another person that I wanna to bring to your attention and kind of discuss. And he went by the name of Mark Kane. So he lived really close to Roman's Dyke and he like was just at the end of the path. And there was a man that came forward and his name was Scott Forbes. And he said, you know, Mark came to visit me the day after the murder. And when he showed up, he had scratches all down his face. Sketch. Very sketchy. And when Scott asked Mark, where'd you get all these scratches? You know, like somebody was just killed in the woods. Where did all these come from? He told Scott. Now, my mind almost exploded reading this. He told Scott that he had taken meth an entire prescription of valium a bag of speed smoked some cannabis and had been drinking lager and then
0: was out in the woods that night and had fallen into a bush and that was where his scratches came from couple things one how the fork did he not die from all that right i'm reading that i'm like that's a lot he lived okay two did scott come forward at the time of this or not till later
1: yeah, he had come forward at the time of this, which is how Michael and John had known about it and had gone to him. But like I said, anything that did not line up with the police's agenda of convicting Luke was just pushed away.
0: Did Mark have any like blood or anything else on him other than the scratches that Scott like mentioned? It was just the scratches, but it was also a whole day later. So in theory, he had... Oh, right, yeah.
1: right. He Scott did say that Mark was known to carry a knife with him frequently. He always had a knife with him. So that could be part of it. The unfortunate thing is, Mark Kane died a year prior to this interview. So I think he died in 2019, was my guess from what I could find. But Michael and John were not able to interview Mark and to get any information from him. It was just the word of mouth from Scott. One thing that they did notice, though, is that Mark Kane looked very, very, very similar to Luke Mitchell. To the point that if you were to see Mark as you were driving by, you could mistake him for Luke. Don't worry, I've got more suspects for you. Two other people that I want to talk about were referred to as the Moped Boys, which...
0: That was actually my band name in high school.
1: Oh, really cool. Okay, so where were you at the time of Jody's murder?
0: Not Scotland. Oh, well, that's
1: fair. Apparently, a witness had seen a moped around 5:15 p.m. that night, leaning up against the wall where Jody's body was found, and there was nobody near these mopeds. So the police are obviously asking anybody that was in the area at the time of the murder on that day if they saw anybody like come forward, let us know. And then they were trying to obviously figure out who owned these mopeds because they're like. We have to like somebody had this moped. It didn't just exist and then not exist in this moment. It was there at the time of the crime, at the scene of the murder. And it took five days after the murder. But these two boys finally came forward and they were named John Ferris and Gordon Dickey. It turns out that John Ferris was actually the cousin of Jody. Oh. So it was really weird that he took five days to come forward about that being his moped.
0: Yeah, you w- you would think he would have at least heard of the situation yes so did they interview him yes
1: they did interview him they brought him both of them to be a witness during the trial but both john and gordon said you know i don't remember anything from that day i don't remember where we were i don't remember what we did i got nothing and the prosecution and the police and the jury and the judge and everybody was like, that is perfectly fine as an answer. We will totally accept that. Luke did it. Go to jail forever. I don't know how to respond to that one. Guys, this episode, this case is killing me to see the way that this whole thing played out. And is still playing out to this day. One thing that I'd like to point out that's really strange. Actually, I'm not even gonna say this strange. Abby, do you think this is strange? I'm gonna ask you. The day after the murder, John took a pair of scissors and chopped all of his hair off by himself. I mean, it's a little weird. I think everybody that I've mentioned in this case is suspicious, except for Luke. (laughs) And Luke's freaking sitting in prison right now for this crime. Either way, both John and Gordon obviously denied that they had anything to do with killing Jody. So there wasn't really anything that the police could do there.
0: Well, apparently... A denial of killing someone doesn't matter to them. It does when it's not Luke. Yeah, it does when it's fitting what they want, the outcome they're looking for. Yeah,
1: this, I know I've said it, this case is making me, it's struggling. I'm struggling with it. So, as I had mentioned earlier, Luke was 15 when he was detained for questioning. They detained him for many hours and questioned him. When he asked to go to the bathroom, they said, sure but two men went into the bathroom with him and stood next to him at the urinal and the entire time he's going to the bathroom they're like just confess and we'll let you go just confess and it'll be fine we'll help you through this just confess as he's going to the bathroom
0: um yeah that's a bit that's that's a lot
1: and then he asked for a lawyer and they're like no so the one thing that i will say In 2014, the Scottish Criminal Case Review Commission, longest name in history, but they concluded that his human rights were being infringed upon during the interview. So Mm -hmm. you'd ask me in part one if anything had occurred with like any sort of punishment for the police officers or anything. I don't know if there was actual punishment, but at least it was brought to the attention of them. So I don't know if they reprimanded anybody or if anybody got a talking to or how they handled it. I did not find that. But they at least acknowledged the fact that
0: Luke was not given a
1: proper fair
0: trial. Which, in that case, shouldn't he get a retrial if they rule it that way? You would think, but it's seven years later and he's not had a retrial. He's been denied. Hmm. I guess I don't quite
1: understand that, but... I don't either. I'm assuming things are a little different in Scotland. If anybody's listening from Scotland and you guys want to let us know more about how your criminal justice system works, but ours has rules in place to help this not occur. And they have things that, you know, like Abby said, you'd get a retrial. There is another individual that Michael and John have kind of narrowed in on, and they kind of lean more towards being the one who actually committed the murder of Jody. And if you remember in part one, I had mentioned that there was a condom found at the scene of the crime. They were able to figure out who that DNA belonged to, but... They did say in this documentary that released just three months prior to us recording this that they were not able to state who had done it due to legal reasons, which gives me a slight bit of hope that maybe they're reinvestigating and looking into it and they don't want to announce it yet. I did see some things that it could possibly be John or her brother which we didn't even talk about her brother, but I did, and this was just like comments from people. This wasn't like a news article or anything, but some people were saying that they, that it's in theory, the person they are not releasing is her brother. I didn't find any information about him, which maybe they would have left that out of the documentary. If there was evidence going on about it, maybe it was somebody from the documentary. I don't know. Abby, first off, let me ask you, do you think Luke is innocent or guilty?
0: To me, it sounds from the get sounded innocent okay I would agree I think he's innocent so I do have a question for you yeah you had mentioned the sister's boyfriend and the blood on the shirt and they said it was because they borrowed a shirt did they elaborate on why the blood would be there or like how how much blood of his was on there Nope, there, I didn't like I got a lot of information but there was so much
1: that like there was some things that had to be kind of skirted over in what mm-hmm. I was looking through So, out of everybody that I mentioned, who do you think seems the most likely? Is there one person that stuck out more to you?
0: Um, I don't know that one stuck out over the other. I will say my first, not my first thought, like, this has occurred to me as you've been talking and I've kind of been thinking through and processing. Mark, the one that had done all the drugs and had the scratches on his face and been in that area, I think it's worth mentioning that if he were on that many drugs, that would you know account for the stamina that this crime probably required as it was so violent and you know typically you're gonna wear out with something that violent so drugs could help explain that absolutely i
1: i definitely agree with that i don't remember if you said it to me actually on the episode or just like in between our conversations i do feel like it could have been multiple people
0: Hmm. Yeah, I I thought that when you initially said the blood belonged to the boyfriend of the sister, and then you said the semen was possibly someone different, that made me think of multiple people.
1: Yeah, I I definitely agree, which maybe, I mean, they have somebody in mind, Michael and John do, they just didn't release who that person was. So maybe we'll see something come out of it. I have no idea. One thing that's really sad that I want to talk about for a little second is Luke's mom. Corinne is like my heart broke for her watching her talk on this documentary because she currently is living in this small building with no heat, no electricity, because nobody would employ her, nobody would do business with her she barely has any food, she does not have a bathroom to use, she is living in absolutely horrific circumstances because the media and the public have portrayed her son to be this terrible person. And even if her son did kill Jodi, I don't believe that that is reason enough to make her live in this terrible life. Even, I think it was Michael said in the documentary, as he was talking with her, they were like, you know, it's really unfortunate. Like Luke's living in prison and he has a bathroom and heat and air conditioning and you, you don't have any of that because everybody has just shunned you away from the community basically.
0: And she's still living in that same town. Yeah, she is. It
1: just, it broke my heart to hear like her talking about the circumstances that she's living in.
0: Right. This is a perfect example of one of those cases where like, Everybody's been really negatively impacted from the case. Obviously Jody's family and it sounds like Luke and his family and there's just a whole lot of misjustice going around
1: very much so. Jody's family has pretty much been very silent since everything occurred. They don't speak out much about it, which I think is understandable. It's just it's really sad to see the way that all of this has been handled. As I said, this documentary just came out three months ago. Some of this evidence just came out recently. I think some of it's probably still being investigated. I I really hope that sometime within the next few years, we can get some real answers and find out whether or not Luke Mitchell really is innocent.
2: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Crime Over Coffee. You can find us on Instagram at Crime Over Coffee or on Facebook at Crime Over Coffee podcast, where all of our photo and video content for each episode can be found.